Welcome to Walking with Freya, a journey through special needs parenting. This podcast is a place for parents and caregivers of children with special needs to share stories, the very real struggles and challenges we face, along with the inevitable love and joy these children have brought into our lives. This is a place for unapologetic honesty, well-intentioned laughter, and endless support. A safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. Hey everyone, thanks for being here. So I thought to go back again to the beginning with Freya. Of course, there are issues that are coming up for us right now, new therapies, IEPs and such, but um, if something's really pressing, then I will address it, like I did with the last episode on siblings. But I would also like to revisit some of the struggles that we had in the beginning as a way of providing the whole story. So, and also because even though we are past some of these struggles and of course onto new ones, um... So many people are now coming up on similar issues, so I'll retell some of the old struggles throughout this space as a way to not only give a further, a fuller telling of our story, but also so that others can relate or hopefully find comfort in knowing that they are not alone. And I would love to hear your stories as well, but we'll get to that in the end. So for now, I want to go back to kind of the time after the diagnosis. And I'm going to start by reading a blog post from my blog, Growing Up with PWS.blogspot.com. This post is from March of 2012. My life these days is centered around pumping and feeding. If I'm not pumping or feeding, I'm cleaning pump parts or counting time until Freya's next feeding and homeschooling our seven-year-old daughter. In some ways, it may seem pleasant to have a baby that doesn't cry or fuss. Well, I guess I would say it's the consolation prize. My baby doesn't cry and fuss and cause a huge distraction. She doesn't wake up every 15 minutes to squirm and cry for milk. My first one was a bit more like that, so I know how difficult that can be. But there is a lot of pressure on a parent whose baby does not eat of her own free will. I set the alarm at night so I can wake up and feed her. The plus side is that I am assured sleep in four-hour doses. The downside is that occasionally, when I forgot to turn the alarm on or turned it off in my sleep, I wake up frantic because it has been six hours since she has eaten. I jolt awake to find Freya sleeping peacefully by my side. I rush to get a bottle prepared and warmed as I berate myself for being irresponsible. But I am human. And while a normal four-month-old, that's a quote, and while a quote normal four-month-old can, if only we were all so lucky, sleep for six-hour stretches without eating, it's yet another obstacle to the growth of my already small baby. Thankfully, these moments are few and far between, but racked with guilt nonetheless. There are times when Freya seems to be hungry and enjoying her bottle when she sucks it down in 20 minutes. These moments are a blessing. There are times when she is too sleepy and getting her to eat is almost impossible. Sometimes the milk backs up in her throat without notice and she coughs and chokes and can't breathe. Those moments are, of course, 
terrifying. Sometimes I struggle to get the last of her bottle into her only to have her spit it back up. My life is ruled by Freya's feeding schedule, which unfortunately she couldn't care less about. But it's what parents do. We alter our lives for those of our children. We make sacrifices so that they may have the things they need. Our children's needs may seem unbearable at times, the crying, the whining, the struggle to feed. But for every moment when we feel as if we can't continue with this path, can't keep up with these struggles, there are countless other moments when our lives are so enriched by these little people we can't nor care to remember what life was like without them. So while my time is not my own these days, I look with joy on this being that has entered our lives. We are trying to prepare ourselves for the struggles we will face with her, but all the while revel in the joy and happiness she has and will continue to bring. So that last part, maybe some of you have noticed already my tendency to try and wrap things up on a more positive note, which I think is good to be positive, as long as you're not glossing over things that need to be addressed, I guess. So I realize, um, you know, going back and, and reading this, I feel as if I'm complaining about sitting around in a bathrobe for months, watching Netflix and eating ice cream. It's not something to really bitch about, except that I personally am not one that likes to sit around watching TV. It, it depresses me. So that really probably didn't help my overall feelings. But I had, I, my, my best friend had bought me this big comfy bathrobe and I pretty much lived in that on the couch, watching Netflix as I would pump and then feed and then wash the parts. And I would have a moment to like shower or do a little something with my older daughter but no, it was mostly, that's what I remember as a, a lot of uh, couch time with Netflix, and that was kind of depressing. But it's not so much about that. What it's really about is just how much effort it took to keep my baby growing. The struggle of trying to get her to a place where they would consider her thriving, because at this point, she was still pretty lethargic and had the actual diagnosis of, quote, Failure to thrive. Not a uh, not a fun diagnosis with a baby. Not a comforting one. So it wasn't just a relaxing break of Netflix and couch time. It was constant vigilance. It was frustration and desperation trying to keep her awake long enough just to get the milk down. It was disappointment and fear watching my milk supply dwindle almost by the day because... Let's face it, there's no connection to a breast pump like there is to your baby. And no matter how much you want the milk to come out and how much you need the milk to come out, the breast pump just does not stimulate the flow the same way. Perhaps if I could have gotten Freya to nurse once or twice a day, it would have been different. But for me, my body was not fooled. And at about seven months, my supply dropped off so much that it was almost pointless to continue. By then, Freya was getting mostly formula anyway, which was a whole other huge disappointment for me, but also a really crucial element to her nutrition and her survival. I will say as a side note, I had another baby who was born when Freya was 16 and a half months, and I started pumping again. And so there were a few months 
before she was two that Freya got to have, uh, Freya got to have some more breast milk, which was huge for me. That's, that was a really important and wonderful blessing that I could give her. I was really grateful to have that. But this time, my, my couch, Netflix couch time, that was a time of serious stress when everything revolved around the need to feed my baby. And through it all, there were weekly doctors, weekly doctor appointments to see how little weight she had gained and to discuss the other options of fattening her up. We had trips to UCSF, which was five hours away, for appointments with specialists and sleep studies, and that's a whole other series of episodes just trying to deal with the bureaucracy of getting her on growth hormone, which we knew was so important. Another thing, you know, through all this is that we were being social with our some of our dearest friends who all had had healthy babies the same age as Freya. Three of my closest friends found out they were pregnant around the same time, and somehow the universe threw me into the mix also. They were all trying. I wasn't. But, um, so we all, we were all pregnant together, and we had, we all had daughters within five months. There's a period of five months and they were all born there. And it's something that should have been so wonderful and beautiful for all of us. And it was, it was in a lot of ways, even, but even thinking back to that time, um, I realize how hard that was. How do you reconcile the utter chaos of emotions in that situation to smile as they told me of their baby's accomplishments? Smile even though everything their baby did that mine couldn't do was just like opening, a, just ripping open a festering wound. I wanted to be happy for them. And of course I was on some level, but every everything was also a reminder and an alarm bell for me and my baby and what what she could and she couldn't do. And then there's the the guilt of, you know, what kind of person can't just be happy that their friend's baby is doing well? It's not like I wished anything bad to happen to their babies, but it was just so hard sometimes to be reminded of, of what, you know, it was... It was almost easier. I'm a very social person, but I think perhaps, um, you know, I've, I've become less social than I was. I'm still pretty social, but, you know, I've become less social than I was. And I definitely think that perhaps this period of time drew me in a little bit because when we were at home and it was just our family and our baby, it was it was just easier. It was, 
there weren't so many obvious or glaring signs of of the issues that she was having. I mean, if there were, but there wasn't this like, what's the, you know, there wasn't an example of of where she should be or what she should be doing. I think I probably pulled back a little bit. I had so I had so many conflicting emotions during that time. And it's not that I wasn't happy for my friends, but the grief that I felt for myself, for my family, for my baby weighed far too heavily on me sometimes to really appreciate their joy. I remember being at the beach one day. There were three of us there. And the two girls um, ran off to ran off to go play or I mean I don't think they ran off because they were just a couple years old but Freya wasn't walking by then and you know they were wandering around and the moms were you know walking with them they had to be with them and you know I wanted to hang out I wanted to be social I wanted to talk but I was on the blanket where my two because I had um Rona at the time also by then I had Rona by then and I just, I remember just feeling, just going home and feeling so sad and so, um, not left out. I didn't feel left out because it's, there was nothing intentional about it. I mean, (laughs) you know, there's no, there were no bad feelings between anyone. It was just what kids could do. And, you know, at that age, you can't just let them wander around so much. And I remember coming home and, my husband was out of town and it was just, I, I just remember coming home and feeling sad and sitting on the front porch. I cracked a beer. It was Sunday afternoon <laughs> and I got on Facebook and I emailed my cousin's wife, whom I had only met once, but they have a daughter with Idic 15, which is a rare form of autism and (laughs) you know you can say what you want about Facebook but it really has its benefits I mean you know messaging back and forth with this woman that I've only met once was so important to get me through that day you know, it's a, it's amazing how sometimes sometimes the people that you barely know can bring you the most comfort. And it's because we have shared experiences. You know, I mean, it happens for not just for this scenario of having a child with special needs. I mean, it happens in so many other scenarios. And this was just something that This was one of those moments that I realized this is why I feel like parents of children with special needs tend to be drawn towards each other. I almost uh, feel more comfortable now approaching a parent of a child with special needs and striking up a conversation. I guess maybe because there's more to talk about or, you know, or just there's this shared, this shared grief and the shared understanding of the struggle 
and the shared acceptance. And also someone who can really, someone who understands the struggle, the struggles, you know, how hard things can be, can really also appreciate how amazing it is when your child does something new. I f- this is very tangential. <laughs> this is, I was just supposed to be talking about feeding, the stress of feeding my baby, but I just brought up this, it was that same time when, this is a time that I don't really think about too much anymore. It just, it just came up for, you know, for this thought, fo- for this podcast. And as I said, going along, you know, trying to fill in the gaps of the story and I hadn't realized how painful that part of the story still is. To be clear, those children are still a part of our community and our family. And I don't have those feelings anymore. I don't have, you know, seeing them succeed and grow is just a beautiful thing to watch. It doesn't it doesn't pull at my at my grief and my sorrow like it used to. So I could talk more about that whole topic another time. Um but for now I I mean I can say that I'm genuinely happy for their children without feeling a deficit with mine. So I guess the point the point I want to stress with this topic or the or with this episode well the first was just about the difficulties with feeding the 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 baby of my friends part was a as an unexpected tangent and I think it'll make it through the editing because <laughs> I think it's important I imagine it's something that a lot of people experience and it relates to what I was originally trying to get across. It's just that when you have a child with special needs, there is a whole slew of challenges lining up faster than, <laughs> I don't know what I have. I have a friend from Alabama who always has a, co- has a collection of descriptive metaphors. And uh, I'm sure he'd have one. One of my favorites that he says is, scareder than a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. That's one of my favorite ones. And I'm sure if he was here, he'd have one for how how fast those challenges line up. But if I had known then, as I sat in my bathrobe struggling to get an ounce of milk into my lethargic baby, if I had known then that someday she'd eat like a champ, and then some, if I had known... As she struggled to hold her head up while the other babies were crawling circles around her, that one day she would attend a track meet. If I had known then, she would one day be in the same kindergarten class as one of those babies, in the class as an equal, as a peer, doing most of the same activities with some variations, of course. She'll never be typically developing. If I had known any of this, I would have gone a bit easier on myself. 
I perhaps could have relaxed more into the joy of Freya than the fear. And I don't mean to sound as if I was just a ball of nerves or that I couldn't relax or enjoy Freya. I mean, I enjoyed her immensely. She has always brought so much laughter and sweetness and smiles. Always. But so much of that for that period of time was just overshadowed at times with fear, with nervousness, with doubts of myself and how much I was doing to help her progress. I guess what I'm trying to say is go easy on yourself. Know that the struggles you face today will likely fade sometimes of their own free will, and other times after you've slaughtered all the enemy on the battlefield and fought the war. And when you do, when you get through that challenge, you take a breath and you enjoy the victory. Because there will be another battle. <laughs> That's the reality. There will be another struggle Another terrifying reality to keep you up at night. But life goes on. We get through this. And despite the struggles, there is so much beauty to this life and to your child. So if you can, enjoy them in this moment. For who they are. For what they're capable of. For how they love and how you love them that's that's really all we can do besides the therapies and doctor's appointments and the, the new new round of uh, supplements and all that stuff of course but overall because when I was able to step back from any kind of comparisons or any kind of charts and graphs and any of these things showing me what she was, quote unquote, supposed to be capable of, when I was able to step back from that, then I just had this amazing, sweet, lovely person that I have that I have the honor to raise and help journey through this world for that I am eternally grateful